On Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. Monday's Experts, he'd have always got the good oil, pity you can't put a bet on at the finish of a race. Yeah, as always on a Monday, it's time to chat with some participants in racing or a participant in racing and find out a little bit about their story. And before we get to our guest today on the line, I want to take you back to Saturday because we saw a uh, one of the biggest prize winners in uh, Sydney on at least a Saturday for a very long, long time. It was rude number and uh, room number was ridden, of course, by Quade Crow, who's today's guest. But as we get quite up on the line, let's just take you back. And if you found this, well, it hopefully it was your shout Saturday afternoon. Got 7.50 to run here, and it's Zudamuna half in front to She's All In. Two lengths to Fleetwood Macca. And written with cover today, the favourite Amway Dance has been given every possible hope by McAvoy at this stage. Further back to room number and Arctic Thunder, who beat the favourite last time, is right on its hammer now as they come around the corner. And She's All In really pours the pressure onto Zudamuna. Race it to the lead. Amway Dance, McAvoy gets going a long way out. And Amway Dance moved up on the outside of She's All In. A couple off then to Room number running on at any price. Further back to Arctic Thunder and Fleetwood Macker. And we danced in front. Room number, the Ruffy on the outside, moved up to take the lead from And We Dance. Well clear from the rest. Room number, number 11. $61, mind you. Room number ran away to beat And We Danced. Fleetwood Macker third. Followed them by Sir Lemur late from She's All In. Awesome choice. Arctic Thunder, Magello, Pencil Alley, Meg and Zuda Moon. Strike me. It was unbelievable. It was a big moment for our guest today, Quade Crow, who joins us on the line. G'day, Quade. Morning. How are you, mate? Uh, I'm very well. How about that? Uh, I know we're going to talk about your life and career, but just uh, you're on a roughie. You're on the outside of the field. No one in the world, probably by yourself and Barb, and the owners think you've got a chance, and you just loom up and run away. That must have been a big thrill on Saturday. Uh, it was unbelievable. Um, I spent a lot of time riding work at Randwick uh, during my career. I just dreamed of uh, being able to bring one into the winner's stall there, and um, Saturday we were able to make it reality. Fantastic, mate. Let's talk about your your career. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Brisbane, uh, up in Queensland. Um, never had much to do with horses at all. Uh, I wanted to be a pilot growing up. Uh, that sort of didn't eventuate. Uh, I had a lot of pressure through school. Obviously, I'm quite quite a small person, a lot of pressure through school, I, Everyone was telling me I should be a jockey, so I um, I thought, why not? Oh, let's just give it a crack. Okay, so you, you were you any family at all involved with horses, or was it pretty left field when you said, right, I'm going to give it a crack and be a jockey? Uh, no, it was pretty pretty left field. It was uh, just an ad in a, in a uh, window uh, that said, ever thought about a career in racing, and I, I just followed that on. Wow, okay, so tell us about getting that career. So you've seen an ad in a window... Uh, who, who did you? Who, who were you calling? Were you calling a trainer? Were you calling Racing Queensland? How did it work? Uh, I first started over in West Australia. Um, I was over there working as a carpentry apprentice. Um, just went to the races one day with a few mates from work. I uh, saw the ad. Um, I decided to give racing away during West Australia a call. I um, I then went in there for a meeting with uh, I think it was Ron Fleming at the time. Uh, he placed me down at the care of Dave Harrison, uh, where he taught me to ride. Um, I started to get a bit homesick there and, and returned home to Queensland and, and went out to Todd Austin in Bark Alden, um, and that's where uh, it all started for me. Okay, so, all right, so it sounds like we've skipped a, skipped a few uh, pages there. So you're in Brizzy, 
you go to Perth? Did you just go to Perth to – was it just a change-up family? Why would you end up in Perth? Oh, I was doing a carpentry apprenticeship at the time out of school. Um, and just that's where that's where all the work was, obviously, with the mines over there. Uh, there was plenty of work going for, for apprentices. So I went out there you know, building all the um, all the accommodation for the mine yep. workers. And I, I didn't really enjoy it very much. Um, and so I thought a change of scenery would be, would be nice. Yeah, so okay, so we go Brisbane to Perth, back over to Brisbane, and out to out West Park Calden. So that's a that's a big change up there because you're pretty much going from like you know city environments uh, out west. What was it like in Bar Calden when you first arrived? Um, it, it was a bit of a culture shock, obviously being in such a small town. But the Austins out there, they're some of the greatest people in racing. They were very welcoming. They they treated me like their own son. They're um, they're great people. Um, and, and Todd was a huge huge influence on my early career. Um, I, I think the first winner I rode for him, he said, uh, gee, this kid's green, he's got a lot of work to do. And um, I, uh, 10 years later, we're riding winners at Randwick. Yeah, it's unbelievable. All right, so you, you tell us about those first initial uh, weeks, months at Bar Calden, uh, because obviously you'd been, you'd, you'd had people in your ear about you know getting involved with racing. Did you when you first arrived? I know that obviously they, you know, the the family you were with were you know treating you like a son. But were you thinking some mornings, what on earth am I doing? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Uh, obviously, it gets quite cold out there being in central Queensland. Um, four o'clock in the morning, mucking out boxes in minus one, minus two degrees. I, it, it, a couple of times, I thought this isn't the life for me. But the thrill, obviously, of of being on that horse just kept luring you back. A hundred percent, hundred percent. I had a good association with a, a country cup horse out there, uh, a young horse by the name of Peace Talks, and um, we went on through one plenty of cups out there, and I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. And obviously, that winning feeling is hard to replicate anywhere else. Yeah, it certainly is. All right, so uh, so you're racing around in uh, Bar Calden. When do you come back to the city? Uh, so from there, Todd got pretty sick. Um, he, he was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and he. Um, he sort of was off the page immediately after that. Um, racing Queensland suggested to me at the end of the country racing season out there that I should move on, just just because for career and and obviously that there was no trainer out there, so I, I couldn't be uh, watched and, and made to improve. Uh, so I went down into Jamie McConaughey at Rockhampton. Um, I'd ridden for him previously um, during my time with Todd, uh, and he approached me after racing Queensland and suggested to move. Um, that was a great career move for myself. I went on to to be the uh, the leading uh, apprentice in that area. Um, it, after I think two seasons with Jamie, um, they pushed for a move through down to Chris Munt uh, in Brisbane. Uh, I spent eight nine weeks with Chris, uh, and he said that the, with the Brisbane Carnival coming up, that I, I should try uh, heading down to Sydney. Um, he hooked me up with the Waterhouse Racing Stable, and I was there for about four years. Four years. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, mate, you, you because we've obviously sounds like you had to do a little bit of growing up too on the way, mate. Because there's some big, you know, you talk about culture shocks of going to Barcaldon. You go Barcaldon, Rocky, Brisbane, and then Sydney's just another level on top, isn't it? Yeah, a hundred percent. I um, I I liked the way that I did it. I, I was able to, to ease my way into slowly from the countries to provincials into metropolitan, and then stepped up again in uh, in Sydney as well. Um. I enjoyed my time thoroughly in, in Sydney and uh, working with the high caliber horses. Um, so I decided to stay on uh, at the end of my, my loan period at the uh, the Waterhouse team. What 
obviously every every stable you work for, and as you naturally get older, you're going to learn different things. But what are some of the 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 things, the quotes? I mean, you mentioned before about um, you know when you first started there in Barcaldon that uh, the comment was, "Oh, he's quite green, this kid." What did you sort of picked up along the way? Because I'm, I'm tipping that Chris would have been had a different setup to Jamie, and obviously we know that Gay and Adrian setup is far different to, to both them. So what, what are the little intricacies between the four of them? Uh, Todd was obviously a great horseman and a country horseman first. He was he was all about the horses. Um, uh, coming into Jamie, Jamie Jamie liked uh, selecting tried horses and then uh, working them through their grades and then moving them on. So so we had quite a quite a high flow of horses coming through that stable. Um, he was all about getting those maiden horses up and, and through their grades and then keep going. Um, Todd's obviously, you know, he's at the end of the line for a lot of horses, so you get a lot of horses with problems. So it was a lot of a lot of figuring through things with the horses out there. And then on to Chris, who's, who's obviously got some high-profile profile owners. Um, he, he trained very similar to, to the way Gay Waterhouse trained. Obviously, he rode plenty of winners for her and had a great relationship with her. So you can sort of see where his theory of training comes with from her. And what about when you when you arrived at Gay's, mate? I mean, that must have been quite extraordinary, uh, considering you know where you had come from, and, and also now knowing that you, you first started off by ringing that number in the uh, in the window. Yeah, uh, I never thought I'd be able to sit on uh, a horse with Gay Waterhouse, um, let alone ride a winner for her in my time there. Uh, especially when I was all the way out in, in Barcourt, and I used to go to the races at, at Longreach or, or Bowie places people don't know the name of, and. Um, Watch, watch the boys go around and around and go and see. It'd be nice to ride something like that. Unbelievable, mate. Okay, so tell us about your time at, at Gaze, mate. Um, and, and you obviously decided to stay on. So you, you're obviously getting the support uh, from Gay. You're doing a lot of hard work because we know that obviously Gay and Adrian, um, you know, they they expect uh, excellence. They expect that hard work and uh, uh, quite they're quite from what I gather, really big on that ethic, that work ethic and, and instilling it in their employees. A hundred percent. That's all Gay drives home to her employees. Um, she, she'll pick up a rake and, and work hard there. Um, when, when I got down there, it was a massive culture shock to me, the way they train the horses. Uh, obviously, Gay likes to... He's quite, quite hard on the horses. She likes to uh, have them fit when they step out their race day. Um, it, it took a little bit of getting used to, but... Um, the amount that I learned in my time with the Waterhouse stable was was unbelievable. What did you learn, mate? Tell us some things that you learned. Uh, just about keeping the horses in rhythm and, and keeping them in their happy spot, uh, having their breathing and rates um, all all nice. Like she, she she'd rather see a horse in a comfortable rhythm than, than hard held against the bridle. Her doing fifteens on the track, she, she doesn't want to go that little bit quicker as long as they're they're in their happy place. Yeah. What about uh, the move down south, mate? Tell us, how did you find yourself uh, on the south coast? Uh, so, obviously, with uh, COVID, um, I, I was living in Sydney and I wasn't really getting getting a lot of rides, obviously spending a lot of time riding work for, for Waterhouse. I didn't have much opportunity to ride outside work and struggled to get rides. Um, I got stood down uh, with the bubble Um because I just didn't think it would be financially the right decision to, to try and move out of home and live off my race rides. Um, during that time, I, um, I said, I don't want to be a track work rider. Um, I was approached by Matt Jones, uh, who offered me a, a spot riding for their stable. Um, it was a, a couple of weeks, and I'm in, I'm in an hour, and I said, oh, I better give it a crack. Uh, I don't want to be a track work rider. And, um, my my nine weeks down here have been an absolute fairy tale. 
Yeah, well, tell us, mate, uh, what's it like down there on the south coast? I mean, I've obviously, uh, from doing this role, I've met more of Barb and, and, and all the, the, the boys there. Um, they just seem like wonderful people. Does it remind you a bit of Bar Calden? Because it seems like, you know, you become part of the family down there. No, it does. It really does. Uh, the Joneses, uh, Joseph Joneses remind me a lot of uh, the way Austin's run their camp. They're everyone's family to them. They work hard. Um, everybody pitches in when needed, and um, they're, they're great people. I couldn't be more appreciative of the opportunity they've given me. So what about life down there, mate, too, getting out of Sydney? I mean, we're all, uh, because we've been locked up here in bubbles and, you know, with house prices and stuff, everyone's starting to look south. It sounds like you're a big advocate then for, for living. It's, it looks like a beautiful part of the world. Uh, yeah, so I live in, I live in Canberra there at, at this stable. Um, it's obviously going to be quite cold here during the winter, but it's um, <laughs> it's, it's a great part of the world down the south coast. As I'm sure you'll um, you you've been down to the Sapphire Coast carnivals and and know what it's like. It's a it's a great part of the world. It's a, it's a hidden gem, really. Mate, do you know what? I've never been, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this weekend. We're going to be down there, myself and, and Lukey Barlow, um, for that cup, and you know, I can't wait. Uh, no doubt you'll be a key part now because you've been doing a lot of work for the team, and they'll always have a winner, uh, the uh, the Barbara Joseph uh, team, won't they? Yeah, of course, of course. We, uh, I think we've got 30-odd horses nominated for the uh, the carnival there this weekend, so wow. uh, we're looking forward to a good weekend ahead. Now... Tell us about away from uh, because Andrew Adkins he gave you up to me. I was having a, having a beer with him on the weekend, and he said to me that um, the, the planes. Now you mentioned that you want to be a pilot as a youngster. You've still harbour this dream, don't you? And you, well, he was telling me that you 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 are a pilot. You can fly planes. Is, it, is this correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I hold a, a pilot's license. Um, yeah, on that story, I, I'm pretty sure um, during my time. At, uh, I think the Courier Mail posted the article. I uh, I was running late. Um, Qantas had a delayed flight, and I uh, I said it's not going to work. I I'm going to have to fly myself to the races. So I caught up my flight at school and see if I get a lesson. And uh, I flew myself to the races there at Townsville one day. Wow. Okay. So and like I've been, I've never spoken to um, uh, a, a pilot, so to speak, someone that's hired. How much is it? Like you don't have to say exactly, but how, it surely that's not a cheap exercise just piring a plane for the day. Uh, no, no, it wasn't. I think I had five rides on the day, and I rode a winner, and only just come by and cost. Jeez, okay. So you and how does one go about hiring a plane? I mean, like it, when we go and hire a car, when we go on holiday, obviously paperwork. I mean, how, how does one just when you just rock up, you give the driver's license, and away you go? Uh, it, it, it's sort of very similar, but obviously, um, as, as I've done hours at the flight school, and you, um, what stage I was at, um, they had they had a. Uh, a pilot available um, to go with. Yep. Um, obviously, it's not just like a car where you can just take it. You from. just take, uh, yeah, someone Rock goes with you. Well and leave it there. So um, he come with, and then I obviously had to, to pay his, his costs back. That's, <laughs> um, that's where that cost come in. But, Mate, um, you'd... You didn't tip him. You didn't races, tip him. A f- so. You didn't tip him a few to back, and he was filthy with you on the way home, was he? <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think he was too much of a horse racing fan. He was just happy to be working. That's gold. All right, and um, um, why didn't you go down the path of of you know becoming that professional pilot? And I'm presuming here, when you say pilot, are you talking like commercial jets, like Qantas, Emirates? That's what you wanted to be. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I wanted to be. I um, I just didn't go into any out of school. Um, I wanted to try and be a bit more hands on. Uh, and then obviously a pilot's license is quite a quite a financial cost. Um, so I started working my way through the, the carpentry and then went into racing and obviously racing um, afforded me the cost to start my flight training. 
So how far how far into your flight training are you? I've uh, completed uh, my pilot's license. Um, just have to build hours now if I want to head towards an airline. Okay, and how many hours do you have to build? Uh, you have to build about 500 to be looked at. Obviously, uh, things have changed around with COVID a little bit, um, and they're looking for more experienced people. Um, but, you know, I'm enjoying racing at the minute, so I don't think it's something I'll be looking uh, too far into at the minute. No, but I'm, I'm fascinated by it, mate, because not every time you, you know, you, you learn things about people. Um, so I'm, I'm going to keep pressing on it. So how many hours have you done at the moment of no, your 500? I've done about 250 hours. Okay, so you're halfway. So so that's, and, and Grant uh, Boyden, who's my panel op, he, I know, is he's got the flight simulator at home and loves all this sort of stuff, and he's saying that's good down the line to me. I'm sure other people listening. So, mate... What do you do for your training? Is it just a matter of that you'll go up with other people? Are you flying Cessnas? What type of planes are you flying? Yeah, yeah, I started out flying uh, little Cessnas, uh, stuff even a bit smaller than that, uh, what people would uh, like refer to as ultralights. Um, they, they do look like Cessnas. They're, they're quite small, obviously. Their weight uh, is, is a lot uh, more reduced compared to a Cessna or something like that. Um, so you just learn, obviously, the basics of flight, effects of controls first, and then uh, you spend a lot of time working through emergency procedures so that if just something ever does go wrong, um, you know what to do. Yeah, okay, wow, okay. So another 250 hours and obviously then you, you pass on the tick and then are you, you know, is this something that you, you just want to do? I know you're, you're saying that you're focusing on racing at the moment, etc. but if I was to see you in, you know, five, ten years' time, do you want to be working for Qantas? Oh, I, I, obviously that would be that'd be a great dream, but um, it's... It's it's a, it's a hard industry to crack into when you, when you first start. I mean, if you get get the right opportunities and right avenues open, it's it's a brilliant brilliant career. Um, obviously, probably not a, as thrilling as as riding horses at Randwick. Yeah, but hang on a second. But if I had said to you a month ago, or maybe even two months ago, you'd be riding a hundred to one shot at Randwick, would you have laughed at me? Yeah, I probably would have. I probably would have. See, so you never know what's around the corner. Then exactly, exactly right. <laughs> Yeah, so there, oh, mate, I, I actually am I'm really interested in this because, I mean, um, it's something, there's something about, I don't know, something about planes for me. You see them fly over, you see you, you, you're on them, and it's, it must be an incredible feeling, um, you know, not only riding horses but being on part. You've got to put Barb down too on your, uh, I don't know if pilots still get that, but you now they get the cheap flights, they can put people down. Make sure you put yeah, Barbara yeah. Joseph down. I'm sure yeah, she'll be sniffing around. 100%. <laughs> Have you taken Barb up before on the plane? Have you said to the guys, do you want to come for a flight? Uh, I've not. I, I've not had a flight probably since moved down to Sydney, so it's, okay. uh, it's been a while. Um, that's, uh, obviously, you know, we've all been restricted with COVID the last couple of years, um, so it's made it harder on everybody. Um, and then yeah. you just, just run, out of, run out of time, really. Well, you know, you'll have to make some time, mate, because it's a dream that I, I reckon you should uh, you should keep following. It's a, and it's something that we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on. Now, gee, every time we see you riding a winner, we know where uh, some funds will be saved, being saved towards. What about um, back to racing? Okay, so obviously that was a huge achievement for you to get that winner there at Randwick on Saturday. Reassessing your goals, what what do you want to achieve this season and and in your racing career? Look, obviously, my last couple of seasons have been been quite lean. Um, like I said, I, I was primarily a track work rider, um, so I just want to try and get back on my feet and um, you know find my spot here in in the south uh, region of New South Wales. Um, I'd love to love to partner uh, the Barbara Joseph Jones horses in the in the country championships, and hopefully we can uh, have a bit of success with that. Um, long term, I'd just like to be able to get back to riding consistent winners.
Yeah, okay, all right, fantastic. Well, mate, you've definitely done something on Saturday that uh, that has put yourself in the spotlight, uh, and I think you're going to be uh, well in the spotlight too over the Sapphire Coast Carnival, considering the uh, the horses that Barbara's uh, taking. Last but not least, um, and it was mentioned uh, in the Punters post-mortem this morning about the fact that those two Barbaras, both Barbara's horses were in on Saturday. Uh, you obviously chose, you stuck with the one that was 101. Was there a reason for that, or was that just how the cards landed? Uh, no, uh, Paul asked me uh, which one I wanted to ride, and um, no disrespect, she's all in. Uh, but the the win on uh, the previous Wednesday before, I, I thought it was an impressive win. I galloped the Tuesday, uh, last Tuesday, and, and she'd come on again. Uh, I said to Paul then, I said, this horse is, is flying at the minute. Uh, and he said, well, do you want to ride her Saturday? And I said, yeah, yeah, I do. Fantastic, mate. So not only have you you got the win, but you pulled the right rein. You're a good judge. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Hopefully he can pull the right rein uh, in this weekend's bigger cup. Yeah, fantastic. Mate, pleasure talking to you. Uh, it's wonderful to hear uh, a little bit of your story. I reckon we could have chatted for hours then, though, in terms of just the little intricate parts about how you've moved around the country, how you found yourself in racing, and also what you are enjoying outside of racing, mate. I think that's uh, that's brilliant. And keep up the work too. Get back in the plane, mate, because you never, ever know what's around the corner. That's it. I'll uh, have to head down to Canberra Airport. That's exactly right, mate. And hopefully it's, hopefully someone from Canberra Airport's listening. You never know. You might find one of those those trainers that are just mad for the punt or love their racing, mate. Uh, you never know. You, you win a bigger cup, they might say, oh, here, come and have a few free hours. Enjoy, mate. Thanks for coming on, Quaid. Not a problem, mate. Quaid Crow there joining us on Monday's Experts. Great to see the young man get the job done at Ramwick and fulfil a dream. And isn't it nice to hear a little bit about the backstory? I mean, you wouldn't. You would not have thought when, uh, as I said, Randall Ad- Adkins was telling me on the weekend that uh, he's a pilot and, and he and he holds a or harbors a dream uh, to uh, to become a commercial uh, pilot. Uh, I was like, wow, unbelievable! And just shows that uh, you don't know what people's interests and stories are behind the name. And we're going to see Quade this weekend uh, down there at the Sapphire Coast, along with another number of those riders uh, from the south. And uh, you can't wait to be down there. Uh, for the Beaker Cup meeting. It is uh, 11.27 on Sky Sports Radio.